1: Ready for rapid fire. If I had the bell, I'd be ringing it.
0: Bing, 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 bing.
1: All righty then. Let me get to my questions here. I <laughs> <they go? laughs> see. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> so
2: Marcus Freeman told Brian Driscoll he wants to get young, talented players who lack experience on the field this season. Something, you know, we and fans and everyone have been clamoring for for a while. So here are a couple quotes that Brian had. Marcus Freeman. Quote, that's going to be my challenge to the coaches. I want to make sure we're developing these guys that might not be the first ones that go out there, but we need to get them game experience. This year, you can mandate it early in the season saying, listen, we're going to roll guys. We're going to script it out that guys are going to be in the game. I've been a position coach where it's like, yeah, we'll fill it out when we get him in when it's right. You don't get... You don't get them in. No, we have to script it out and hold ourselves as coaches to be accountable so when we're going to get them in the games. end quote. So Vince, what is getting these guys in? What does it look like to you?
1: Well, I love the fact that he is at least aware of the fact that in his first year, it was, I need the best guys on the field at all times and we just need to you know win each game and blah, 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 right? Because from a coach's standpoint, when it's off season, right? And you're thinking about the season. You're like, yeah, man, I got to get these young guys in. I got, but when it's nut cutting time and you, you know, you're in a game and you want to win, you've got your best on the field. Right. And so you do have to be very deliberate about getting young guys in the game. And and football is obviously different than baseball. Right. But in football, you can give a guy a series, right? Like, Hey, you know, you're going to get the third series. Maybe you're going to get the ninth series or something along those lines. You can't put in a bunch of young guys all at the same time, right? You have to, you have to and piece it together.
2: We saw Marcus Freeman do that a couple of years ago and that, you know, when he was defensive coordinator and sure. that was when a lot of the big, you know, offensive plays for the other team tended to happen. It seemed like it was, well, that's fair. when they threw
1: a bunch of young guys out there together. And you, so you have to be careful of it, right? But you also have to be very deliberate about it because once the whistle blows and you're between the white lines, you're not thinking about, you know, getting other guys in the game unless you have it written down in front of you and that's the plan for the game right right so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out okay well you've got the plan but if the game isn't going the way you want it to go do you stick to that plan or not right and that's
2: like we've both coached we both you know football baseball you know predominant like like baseball is where most of my experience was i had a guy I had a kid, real fast kid, was not a great bat though. And, you know, I would have liked, you know, if he was going to hit, you know, can you get a, can you get a bunt down here and there and maybe leg it out? Or, you know, like he was probably, he was an outfielder as well. And he was probably the fifth or sixth outfielder in terms of hitting ability. Right. So, but he's got all this speed. So what do I, you know, what role can I find for him? Perfect world. You're a pinch runner. I'm gonna put you at first base because you got all this speed. Now you're gonna steal bases for me. You know, like if my big first baseman gets on, I'm gonna put you on, you're gonna steal bases. Well, the problem was he didn't know the signs, he could never remember (sighs) the signs. And I would stand there giving him the steal sign over Over and over. over. Oh, it's so frustrating. Go. And so Steal. Now you eliminate that job from him. Right. Right. And but so he ended up like he was still. He was fast. He was still a really good outfielder. So it went to like, that is what I can trust you with the most. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so like that to me is, you know, you'll, you eliminate, you you obviously want to bring the, you know, all these guys along and, you know, you, you want them to know as much as possible, but it also, it also has to boil down to what is the thing that I can minimally trust you to do your job you know, and not have to worry, you know, about some huge breakdown. And I think that that's what you've got to, you know, do with these guys, whether it's, you know, like a pass rush situation where you can just put the guy in and go, this is the situation you're going to be in. Go after the quarterback as hard as you can, or we're going to put you out here. You're going to run a go route, you know, or we're going to put you in here. You're going to run a deep post, you know, regardless of, of anything, you know, Or, or like if a, you know, if it's a guy, in the secondary who you know, like maybe he's not necessarily comfortable running some zone stuff. It's like, okay, lock on your man, you know, man, to right. man, you're going to be on whatever the, yeah, right. whatever the minimal thing is. I think that's your starting point. You know, whatever the minimal thing is, you can trust them to do, you know, and again, based on some situations, but just like you said, I don't want a bunch of young, inexperienced guys out there together. It's like, you know, you've, you have one and then you've got a bunch of right. veterans around him because then they can always ask the veterans as well. You know, like what's, what's going on? What am I doing? You know, that kind of thing. Yep. So it's whatever I think the minimal thing that you can trust them to do is your starting point. And then as, as they are able to learn more and accumulate more, you can put more on their plate and trust them to do other things.
1: I love it. And you, and you gotta be smart about it. You want to put these guys in a position to be successful, right? And that's not just garbage time. You need to put them in, you know at other times if you want them to be ready for next year you know you can't you can't go year to year and have a bunch of green guys going into the start of the season you you have to give them something whether it's right. substantial special teams play you know defensive play offensive play whatever the case may be but you have to be deliberate about it and you have to do it with intelligence
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate
3: Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: So the matchups have been announced for the inaugural ACC-SEC men's and women's basketball challenge this upcoming season. Notre Dame men are going to play at South Carolina, November 28th. The women are going to play at Tennessee the following day. What do you think of these matchups, Vince?
1: I missed the ACC Big Ten challenge. I'm not going to lie. The (laughs) the SEC thing is a little weird for me. Um, I'm not used to it by any stretch of the imagination. From the men's side – I don't know anything about this men's team. And I'm talking about Notre Dame. Like we don't know what these guys are going to look like. So I don't know what that matchup looks like. You know what I mean? And so when I saw the men's matchup, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. I don't, you know, it's not like I'm going to travel down to South Carolina to watch the game. So, you know, uh, it doesn't really do anything for me, so to speak. Right. And. I don't know. As far as the women are concerned, I have a lot of expectations for the women, right? And I don't, when I think of the Tennessee women's program, I, I think of like, you know, the 90s. I don't think they're that anymore, if I'm not mistaken, right? They're not the 90s yeah. Tennessee, what they used to be under Pat Summit. They went right? to the so, Sweet
2: 16 last year. Yeah, but they're not going to Final okay.
1: Fours like they used to. Yep. Okay. So it'll be a good matchup, one that Notre Dame should win. So okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's a clash of two big brands in the women's game. So I think that part's sure. cool. Um, I, I do think that part's cool. That that would be good. But I think Notre Dame wins that game, and they probably should win it by double digits.
2: And probably the reason they didn't get South Carolina as well is because they're already playing South Carolina in the game in Paris to
1: start off the season. That's that's a massive matchup. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, because that's like, you know, with with this, I, I do like some of this newness because we will start to see some new opponents for both the men and the women because of this. You know, like you said, you missed the ACC Big Ten. Well, you know, like. How many more times did we need to see Notre Dame against Michigan State or Notre Dame against right. Illinois? You know, it's like we we saw those. That's the best game of the so year last often. year was Notre Dame Michigan yeah. State. What? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's very true, but it's like I I do like the new you know, and I think that they'll definitely you know, like on on the women's side, you know, they'll definitely capitalize on Notre Dame versus South Carolina, yeah. Notre Dame versus Tennessee, and you know, whoever you know, the teams end up, you know, being at the top of the conference over the next few years. If we start to see some newcomers, they will capitalize on that as much as possible. But, yeah, I mean, it's like the, the th- this will be the 31st meeting between the Notre Dame and Tennessee women and the Irish have won eight out of the last 10 matchups between the two. And on the men's side, it'll be the 16th time, but they haven't played since 1984. So, again, it's it'll be kind of cool to see yeah. some yeah some newest, you know, like, New SEC blood. basketball, whatever, but you know, where's Notre Dame right now? Like yeah. we gotta build it back up again.
1: So yeah, they're uh, like nowhere them. is where they are. So right. they are literally an enigma wrapped in a question mark or whatever the, the phrase is, right? I mean, you just you have no idea what you're gonna get from Notre Dame basketball men this year. None. Right. Right.
2: And going back to what we were talking about here just a second ago, with you know, getting the young guys on the field. Um, where was it? shytown Town said, "Sorry, Coach. Best players should be on the field. Blow teams out. There'll be plenty of time to get guys reps in garbage time. And Those like, aren't real your... reps, though, right? And that, and and that's the thing. Like, yeah, they'll get out there and they'll be able to play. And I've got no problem with that. Where I, you know, I'm not talking about like you keep the starters on the field all game if you're blowing guys right. out. But yeah, it's it's a lot different. You know, the complexion." of the game, the way you call it, all that stuff is different. Yep, and offensively,
1: you know, just handing off and running between the tackles, that's that's not running the Notre Dame offense. And we would all, not we would all, but many people out there, if Notre Dame's up by three or four touchdowns, don't want Notre Dame to run their offense. They just want to run the clock and get things over with. That's not giving guys good experience. You and I can run out there. I could run out there and be a wide receiver for Notre Dame when they're handing off the ball and running between the tackles. Cause you just kind of jog out there, put your hand on the, you know, the DB and you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's junk, you know, that's not getting guys game reps. That that's, that's not what that is at all. Yeah.
2: Fill in the blank. It's blank that Kim Mulkey won the women's basketball national chip championship at LSU in her second season. Jay Johnson just led LSU baseball to a national championship in his second season And Brian Kelly is going into his second season now at LSU. Uh,
1: It's going to be another bout of disappointment for uh, the Tiger fans (laughs) down in the boot is what it's going to be. I'm not predicting Brian Kelly to win a national championship down there. If he gets into like, even if he gets into the playoff, that would be huge. That would be big. I would be very impressed, honestly, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on how the season played out and all of that. I just don't see them winning a national championship. And uh, if that's the expectation, which I'm sure it is down there, there he's going to fall short.
2: I just, that, that schedule just is not an overly tough schedule that they have this year. Like next year, the degree of difficulty goes up. You know, we've talked about what it looks like when you add Texas and Oklahoma and all that sure. stuff. But, you know, I know a lot of people are getting worried. You know, really the biggest hurdle that – LSU has to clear this year, Florida State, Alabama, Texas A&M, like that, that's, that's the big three. And I, and they were able to clear two out of the three last year, but one year success does not, you know, automatically like crazy things can happen. There, there, there are much higher expectations for Brian Mm -hmm. Kelly in year two Mm -hmm. after winning the division last year. And like, you know, we were just talking about basketball And having these questions back-to-back made me think of, you remember Frank Martin, the South Carolina basketball coach, who was, like, so quotable and, you know, all the different stuff. And remember, they went to the Final Four, but what, back in 2017? Well, that was the only, not only the only Final Four that Frank Martin led South Carolina to, it was the only NCAA tournament Frank Martin led South Carolina to. Then he got fired five years later, you know, because they went downhill. So, I mean, it... Like, again, there's going to be high expectations for Brian Kelly down there. But just because they had a good year last year, you know, give him credit. Because sure, with what he inherited, he inherited a total mess. They got some key transfers. They won their division last year. But that doesn't automatically mean it's going to happen this year. As we all know, like duplicating
1: things, especially down there in the SEC, is not an easy task. Right. This is what he signed up for, though. He wanted the SEC, the best of the best, supposedly. True. So this is True. what you wanted. And, I mean, he's going to have tough games against Florida State. I think he's got a possibility of having a tough game against Ole Miss. We'll see what what our boy the Lane Train can do. Uh, but then Alabama, maybe Florida if they get their ducks in a row. But that's home for LSU. And then, of course, you've got AM, which is also a home game for LSU. So mm-hmm. you're right. Things line up pretty nicely for them. Um, but I can always count on Brian Kelly to screw something up. So that's where I'm at. See, and that's what you got going for this way. You can't yep. expect anything, right?
2: Yep. So the NCAA has made some changes to the national letter of intent system. Players can now get an immediate release if they request it due to a head coaching change. They can also leave without penalty, leave their school without penalty if they leave after one academic semester do you buy
1: or sell these changes so leave without penalty what exact can you explain that to me because well, so they the can always penalty, leave without penalty.
2: the old penalty was loss of a season of competition and a required one year of enrollment at the school the player transferred to if the you know school that you originally committed to does
1: not release your nli but kids are transferring like, all the time. I don't understand. Like, and they get immediate eligibility, so I feel like that. I have no problem with getting out of the NLI if if there's a coaching change. I have right. no problem with that whatsoever. I think that's that should have been That should have happened a long time ago. Right. The transferring after one academic semester. If a guy is a June enrollee, and one academic semester is a whole first season, guys transfer after the whole first season all the time i don't know and they don't have to sit (laughs) out you know what i mean i'm a little confused by the wording as well yeah Yeah.
2: but yeah i I mean the the bigger one is i guess you know the basically if you're an incoming guy you haven't played there yet you've signed a national letter of intent but the head coach there's a head coaching change then you can leave without penalty love that i love it you can transfer without penalty. i've got no problem with that yep i have no problem with that
3: thing
2: Derek, with Taylor Swift getting $8,000 for tickets, what musical artist or group would you pay the most to see? Well, I mean... Probably asking the wrong person in Vince. Yeah,
1: you I know. was just going to say, first of all, I do know that Taylor Swift is not getting $8,000 for all the tickets that are in the stadium. The VIP ones and things like that, sure. But you could say that about a lot of groups out there. So, you know, but whatever. I would not pay a dime to see anybody, so <laughs> that this this question does not work for me in any way. So I'll I, you are the music guy, so I will throw it to you. That's this. All one. right, I'll throw it to you.
2: Um, there's really only two for me, and I saw Tommy Guns ask this question as well. Just notice the tattoo on Sean's arm. That is Thunder Road. That is a Bruce Springsteen song. And um, Springsteen would be at the top. My wife shelled out a lot of money for Christmas for us to go to the concert uh, back in Cleveland a couple months back. Springsteen and Foo Fighters, that would be it. Those would be the two at the top of my list. So
1: nice. Yeah. I, I love, I, there's music I love to listen to and things of that nature, but I'm just not like a. It's not a music guy, you know? I I don't... I am an old man when it comes to that kind of stuff. We got tickets... Very true. We got tickets to go see a country artist uh, recently, last summer. And I mistakenly bought tickets in the pit. Now, when I've gone to see, like, plays or musicals, things like that, pit seats are good. That means you're literally sitting where the normal people that play the music are, like the pit. Like you're up front, it's a good seat right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, apparently concerts, that's not the case. You have to stand up, and you gotta. You're literally in a pit of people. That's right. It was horrible. It was horrible. I hated every second of it. I did so, that a couple times. The the
2: biggest pit um, when I was in Germany, we saw REM, and now this okay. has been like 30 years ago, and it was like. You start moving around and you're like, you're, you know, you're, you know, it wasn't like a total mosh, but no, it wasn't a mosh pit or anything. There's but a crush like, of humanity. In yes.
1: The, let's put it that and, way. And if you move, you lose your spot. And then of course mm-hmm. you and I are vertically challenged and <laughs> n- no shocker. There's like a six foot five guy like uh-huh. standing right in front of me. You know, it just it was not enjoyable at all friend
2: of mine who i would go to the concerts with there was kind of a group of us but you know one of them was like we had to get there early so like for that one in particular we were like probably you know three people away from the stage that kind of thing we saw nice i think it was the same place living color remember them like cult of personality that song we saw them as well and it was like same deal really close you know that kind of thing like that was when Corey Glover was wearing you remember like the the bodysuit like if you ever saw that video you're oh, wow. you're kind of young so yeah you might google living color cult of personality the bodysuit that Corey Glover the lead singer wore he he was a, like it was sweaty and he was wearing the body you know like the, like the surfer bodysuit kind of thing
1: yeah i'm looking it up
2: one more question it. One more one more question tonight, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. What do we got? Levi's 501 jeans turns 150 this year. Have you ever been a 501's jeans guy?
1: Uh no. <laughs> I have never been a name brand anything guy. Um, because that again so you've
2: never worn Levi's?
1: Maybe on accident. Okay. Like, no, I've never I've never purposely bought a pair of jeans for the brand. I buy okay. the jeans that are on sale, my buddy. I don't, I don't even like I don't even know what I'm wearing. I'm wearing jeans right now. I have no idea what the brand is. It's whatever my wife bought me. I believe it. Yeah.
2: So all your name brand is like the uppers, not the lowers.
1: And it's all free.
2: It's very true. <laughs> That's what I was, I was, I was five Oh one, you know, like five Oh ones are the strength to fits, you know, and again, I guess you wouldn't even know what it is since you've never been like all through like high school. Yeah. Basically. That's basically all I owned was, was five Oh ones. And then, you know, like you know, they were like the, the button fly. And then, you know, like at some point the crotch would rip out and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and then My, my father-in-law had this scam. Apparently Levi's, had some kind of guarantee that I didn't know about back in high school. But like if they ripped, they were some, like, there was like a lifetime guarantee. You could mail them what? in and they send you a new pair. Yeah. So maybe, really? maybe you should start buying Levi's and do Apparently? that. Because, yeah. So they would like mail them in and like they would mail them in and, so my mother-in-law, you know, like would mail them in there and then he'd have another pair that would rip and my wife would mail them in for him because you only get like so many pairs or something oh, okay. like that, I guess. But yeah, that that used to be all we wore was wow. was the good old 501s.
1: See, and the other problem was when I was in high school like, and grade school, we had dress code, no jeans. So ah, didn't right. have you a whole lot ca- of jeans. You went
2: to Catholic school. I forgot yeah. about that.
1: You had to pay to wear jeans at my school. And it was like once every wow. couple of months. It's a jeans day. So my jeans didn't get a whole lot of workout, you know? Interesting. Interesting. I was a Dockers guy. I swear I'm a Dockers.
2: Well, again, I've got a few other questions that we're not going to use today, but I'm going to save them up because I like uh, some of them and uh, with uh, rapid fire over the next couple of days. By the way, got an Alabama reporter who's uh, going to join me tomorrow. Nice. And we'll talk about uh, – our old friends, Tommy Reese and, and Tyler Buckner. Oh, that's there, right. As, yeah, as well some yeah. other Alabama outlook for uh, for Nick Saban and all that oh, kind boy. of good stuff. So I'm interested we'll, to
1: hear what he has to say about the quarterback race.
2: Yeah, and that's what that's what I want to – one of the things that I want to talk to him about is I'm where sure. Tyler Buckner stands in that quarterback race. So we're going to do that on tomorrow's show at 6 uh, o'clock, and then Jesse will be in after that for Rapid Fire as well. So, and remember the
1: bell for Friday. Bell for right. Friday.
2: Bring it. Bring it. Three man. Got to have the bell. All right. Appreciate it. Great questions once again on today's show. And uh, look forward to more tomorrow. Again, join us at 6 o'clock live Alabama. Mark Heim will be uh, Alabama reporter Mark Heim will be joining us. So we will talk to you then. Smash the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And we will talk to you tomorrow on Aviation Nation Sports Talk.